0: This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com/an to learn more. That's r e c o n t r a c . com/an.
1: Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, March 3rd, 2023.
2: I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Subaru gets a new CEO in Tokyo and a new leader in the US. VW will build its Scout Factory in South Carolina and Ford sets a new date to start up F-150 Lightning production again. Plus, look at how vehicle affordability and interest rates might affect F&I sales in 2023
0: all that in addition to, you know, an uptick in all cash car sales and a decrease in, you know, customers discretionary income, it's all closing in on the F&I office.
2: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry.
1: In a surprising development, Subaru has appointed Atsushi Osaki as its next CEO and the automaker announced today that Tom Dahl will step down as CEO of Subaru of America. The 68-year-old will become a corporate advisor at the company's U.S. headquarters in Camden, New Jersey, effective April 1st. Speaking at a press conference today, Osaki, who's 60, said that flexibility and expansion will be key focal points of his tenure. He says Subaru will be nimble in the age of electrification and will seek to grow in the U.S. and new markets such as Australia. Current CEO Tomami Nakamura, age 63, will become chairman. Jeff Walters, who is currently Senior Vice President of Sales at Subaru of America, will be promoted to COO. Walters, 56, has more than 30 years of experience with the brand.
2: Volkswagen Group will build its Scout Motors assembly plant in South Carolina. That's according to social media posts today by Governor Henry McMaster and Scout CEO Scott Keough. The plant is set to build electric-powered pickups and SUVs. It will be Volkswagen's second U.S. assembly factory, joining its operations in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Scout production is expected to begin in 2026. Keogh said on LinkedIn that the plant will cost $2 billion and produce 200,000 Scouts a year at full capacity. VW said Scout could create more than 4,000 jobs in the area but wasn't clear if all of those would be direct employees or if the figure could include those at suppliers or elsewhere in the community. Volkswagen's board has been meeting in Germany today and reportedly has been discussing plans for new plants in North America. Reviving the Scout brand is part of Volkswagen's target to gain 10% market share in the U.S.
1: Ford said it will restart production of its F-150 Lightning on March 13. The announcement comes after the automaker halted output of the electric pickup after a battery fire in early February. Ford has not set a date for resuming deliveries. The company said an EV truck caught fire on February 4th during a pre-delivery quality inspection in a company holding lot in Dearborn, Michigan. The fire spread to two other trucks. Ford halted production the next day. Ford separately said it is boosting production of its other EVs, the Mustang Mach-E and E-Transit van, as well as gasoline-powered models, including the Bronco Sport
2: and Maverick compact pickup. And self-driving tech firms Aurora and Waymo are asking for a five-year exemption to federal regulations that address required placement of warning devices. When big rigs pull to a highway shoulder, Drivers are required to place three reflective triangles behind the vehicle within 10 minutes of stopping. But in a self-driving world, there's nobody around to perform that task. The two companies are seeking a five-year exemption from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Instead of triangles or flares at night, Waymo and Aurora have requested that their partner motor carriers be allowed to equip truck cabs with flashing warning beacons that would be activated when the truck stops along the side of the road. This marks the first time two self-driving technology companies have jointly sought an exemption from administration rules. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Volkswagen Group to build its Scout Motors assembly plant in South Carolina. Two billion dollars on a plant. Jamie, that seems like a lot of money. It is. You
1: know, there have been a few other $2 billion plants over the years, although, you know, a lot of times you can get one up and running for only a billion dollars, which, you know, is a significant difference. And when you think about how hard it is for a new EV brand to earn its way into the market, you know, the one that's, of course, done it the best has been Tesla. And, you know, it struggled with losses for many years before becoming profitable. And it got its plant for only $42 million. It was already built, needed to be retooled, but that was such a bargain. It really gave the company a jumpstart on their way toward profitability, which, again, took quite a while. Uh, So interesting. What we don't know about the Scout plant, though, is how much of the $2 billion Volkswagen will be paying itself. Uh, I'm sure it will qualify for substantial federal and state incentives.
2: So we'll have to see what the actual cost of the company is. Coming up, the economic climate is getting tougher for dealership finance and insurance offices. Experts say more training is one way to combat a potential drop in F&I revenue. We'll hear more about that next on Daily Drive.
0: Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose recon track. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively.
3: Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Vehicle affordability and what it might mean for F&I profits in 2023 is the theme of the latest F&I special section in this week's Automotive News Print Edition. Senior editor Dan Schein discussed a few of the big stories featured in the section with F&I reporters John Hutter and Gail Howe.
4: John and Gail, thank you for joining me on this this F&I Friday version of Daily Drive. You guys did I, did. I did all the light work. You guys did all the heavy lifting. We just had a, a F&I special section that came out in Monday's paper on the 27th. And if you missed it, go out and uh, get on, online at autonews.com and read a lot of great information that uh, John and Gail produced for this uh, special section. Uh, the theme was kind of about a, around affordability. Uh, you know, We heard a little bit about rising vehicle prices, interest rates going up, and how that might impact vehicle sales, but also how it might impact. F&I office, and uh, Gail, you wrote kind of a cover story on on affordability. Tell us uh, what you heard from the the kind of F&I experts out there.
0: Sure. So, rising interest rates, you know, obviously are increasing monthly payments of both new and used vehicles. And so, it's just leaving less room in customers' budgets to purchase F&I products. And so all that, you know, in addition to, you know, an uptick in all cash car sales and a decrease in, you know, customers' discretionary income, it's all, you know, closing in on the F&I office. And, you know, experts and dealers, F&I managers seem to all agree that, you know, it comes down right now to training the F&I staff on how to present the product properly to customers so that they understand that, you know, maybe now it might be a little bit more money, but um, it could pay off in the long term. I think one dealer uh, gave the example, like if you buy an oil change for $60, is that really the smartest thing when you could pay $200 now, but then you're getting, you know, 10 free oil changes in the long term.
4: And people, were their concerns? I mean, we've, you know, we've seen, you know, F&I profits kind of, you know just kind of had a steady increase over the, the last few years especially um, was there some folks who that you talked with who were concerned that oh, this might be a, a year that maybe the profits take a little dip uh, after you know seeing an increase uh, of the last few years
0: yeah, definitely. Um, actually, I think it was um, well, one of the trainers uh who deals with uh, you know, F and I managers, helping them to sell, and um, the accountants kind of agree that you know F and I customers or dealers of theirs um expect their F and I profits to you know go down slightly this year. So the dealers I spoke with, you know, they're positive, they're optimistic, but. I think there's some concern.
4: For the folks who, who were optimistic, what were they kind of pointed to? They just you know, we talk much about training and kind of, you know, presenting the product the right way. Is that kind of what they're basing that hope on or, or they just think that you know customers will kind of see the value in in kind of maybe some of these products that they're that they're selling?
0: I think they were um, focused on, you know, training their staff, um, you know, to think, have customers think long term. But then there was also mention about some opportunities. You know, obviously, if more vehicles are sold this year, you know, things could kick up that way in the F&I sales this year versus last year. But also there was some mention about EVs as EV sales grow. The fact that repairs on EVs would be so costly, you know, that might have people thinking it might be worth it to buy a protection plan, you know, to, to to invest in you know safeguarding their their investment. They also mentioned how the batteries in the EVs you know puts more wear and tear on the tires, so that might be another opportunity you know to sell an F and I product.
4: John, um, you had a couple of stories uh, that had yeah, more than a couple, but a uh, couple that we want to touch upon. Uh, one of them was on the the publics uh, the six kind of publicly traded auto groups dealership groups that we kind of focus on every F and I uh, special section. And the Q4 results came in, and again, typically we write about oh, you know, profits are up, everybody's making money, and things are great. But this quarter seemed that things were a little bit different than before. So tell me what, kind of what you saw from the Q4 results of, of those six uh, publicly traded uh, dealership
2: groups.
3: Yeah, it was it was interesting. We had there were two of them for the first time, and uh, I couldn't I you know I counted back about six quarters, and then I kind of you know. Uh, couldn't, find, gave up and like had to sit down and write the article. But it's been a long streak of year or, you know, year over year increases at, at the public's. And so for two of them to actually go down now, Penske, technically, I guess, if you um, look at foreign exchange, they might, you know, you could argue they went up a little bit. Uh, but in any case, just for that upward momentum to stop, kind of touched on, um, kind of points to possibly what, you know, interest rates, you know, could be doing in terms of what customers can afford, you know, how much the, the deal can actually rise to. And um, really, the uh, Lithia among them actually gave future guidance where it lowered, it, you know, the amount it thought it would make in terms of F&I gross profit on every vehicle. And the reason was because of um, because of rising interest rates, there's only you know so much that customers are going to be able to afford So that, I mean, that kind of speaks directly to what Gail um, mentioned. And some of the other, you know, some of them talked about other affordability issues in terms of just overall, you know, vehicle affordability. But I thought the Lithia one was really kind of fascinating because they're, you know, a major company and this is kind of what they're banking on for the year.
4: And were there a couple of groups that were that, you know, outshined the others or one that had a better kind of performance than the others?
3: Yeah. Asbury still has a, you know, it was the only one with like a double digit gain, which was kind of interesting. And um, I'm not sure if they're, you know, if that plays into them, you know, bringing Total Care Auto or in, in there that that experience or, or what exactly is happening there, because they wouldn't have gotten the Larry H. Miller deal would have only affected a little bit of the quarter over quarter results because they closed on it so late in twenty twenty one. But it is really interesting to see there, and their CEO, David Holt, thought that it, there was even a little bit room, you know, further room for them to grow. So that, that'll be interesting to watch them in 2023.
4: Yeah, I think that it'll be the first quarter results will be interesting in 2023. And, and second quarter, just to see if we're kind of seeing this, you know, affordability maybe take hold on, on these profits in the F&I offices and the, all those dealership groups. Uh, one other thing you wrote about um, that I wanted to touch upon was the Cars.com. Survey that kind of goes along with our affordability uh, theme here. What were kind of some of the highlights of that survey that interested you?
3: That survey was really interesting because I mean, A, it was a you know large sample set and B, it was people who were, you know, going to, they were planning on buying a car in 2023. So it's all of dealerships, you know, upcoming customers. And what was interesting about it to me was just, it kind of, it gave a perspective into the mindset these customers had going into the deal. 54% want to buy new, 24 are used, and the other 22 are up, you know, kind of up in up in the air. They'll they'll go with whatever's available. You know, a quarter of them, they want to spend less than twenty twenty thousand dollars, about half wanna spend less than thirty thousand, and two-thirds want to spend less than forty thousand. So that right away that kind of is is you know the range that dealerships are gonna be able to are gonna have, and if you know it it's going to cost more than that for the vehicle the customer wants. Then that you know could be a bit of a sticker shock issue. Um, the other thing I think was interesting from an F and I perspective was they offered some perspective on how much the consumers thought they were going to bring to the deal, and it's a little unclear if that would include you know credit from the trade ins or not. Um, but in any case, you know about half of them want to put less than five thousand dollars down, which again kind of uh, with when you look at rising interest rates and things like that, you're going to, that affects how much wiggle room you actually have in a deal because you're just financing a lot more of it.
4: And then we, and we've seen, you know, table after table of, of late with, you know, these average monthly payments, you know, from new and used, you know, going up and up and up and the number of people paying over a thousand dollars a month in car payments, which, you know, kind of blows <laughs> my mind, continues to go up, you know, as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting. It's a lot of interesting insights in that. Something, again, to, again to watch affordability and how it will impact what, how, you know, how dealerships perform uh, in 2023. John, Gail, thanks again for being with us.
1: Thanks, Dan. You can find all of John and Gail's reporting in the F&I special section in this week's print edition of Automotive News or
2: at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Hans Grimmel and Pete Bigelow for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on dealership F&I, executive shakeups, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review,
1: and subscribe so you never miss an episode.